Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and this week we chat with Canadian pop EDM artist Delaney Jane about her brand new album, Dirty Pretty Things. We also welcome from Columbia, Maryland, R&B artist Gallant, who has released his sophomore album, Sweet Insomnia. And of course, new music on the way from Jocelyn Alice, Tiny, and Sting and Shaggy. Delaney Jane has been on fire the last several years, releasing songs like Bad Habits and Easy Go that have done extremely well in Canada, not to mention in different countries around the world. Delaney is dropping her debut album called Dirty Pretty Things and is here to tell us all about it. Delaney, super excited to have you on The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, thank you so much for having me, and uh, that was an epic intro, so thank you. <laughs> Happy to be here with you. Awesome. Well, you know, I, I appreciate you saying that because I work hard on my intros, so I'm glad you're happy with I it. I loved it. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> so I uh, I wanted to talk to you a bit about the fact that in all the articles that I've been reading about you in, in doing the research for our chat today, um, it just kept coming up over and over and over that you've basically become this go-to Canadian vocalist on the EDM scene. You know, you've collaborated with uh, Sean Frank, and we're going to talk more about that in a bit, but then, you know, Grand Theft, yep. Adventure Club, Dubs, uh, and, and other people. It's not just Canadians. But uh, what has the ride been like and how did you get on it? How did these guys find out about you to become like this amazing Canadian EDM star? Well, wow, it's actually it's actually a pretty crazy story. I um, I moved to Toronto a couple years ago to uh, actually go to a private school for performing arts, um, and I moved in next door to Sean Frank. And so while I'm you know going to school these crazy twelve hour days, um, he, I, I think he just like heard me singing you know next door like one one day, and he was looking for a um so like an artist to write a top line with so he called me over he's like hey like i would love to try you out on this we wrote this first song together next thing i know he's calling me at school it got signed and spinning records and that very first song is like literally what jump started the rest of it all so that was uh it was called in my hands with lush and simon and after we released that song it was like we just kept getting all these requests from other artists so i was actually able to pay my way through private school and also like work these 12 hour days and then stay up in the studio till like two in the morning, um, making these records. And, uh, it was a crazy experience. Just one thing after the next. And next thing I know, Tiesto's sliding into my DMS on Instagram, like, Hey, I would love to have you on a record. And I'm like, I'll never forget that day. Cause I was at my mom's like 50th birthday party. I started bawling. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, Tiesto wants to do a track with me. <laughs> so, I mean, that was the, that was kind of like my come up in the industry, um, in the EDM world, which is super fun. I got to tour, oh my gosh, like all over Asia and America and so many places that I never even imagined I would see, um, mostly with Sean Frank, but also with uh, other artists and yeah, it's been it's been a wild ride to say the least. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. And how do you find it being in the EDM world? Like, is it a small world? Like, does everybody kind of know each other? Yeah, totally. It's it seems really vast when you first get into it, but then you start playing these festivals, and it's like every festival you go to is a reunion with all the DJs and artists, and like even sometimes fans that are just like super fans that follow you around everywhere. But yeah, you realize that it, it actually is kind of small and. Uh, 
and tight industry, which is cool. You know, it's like I said, like a reunion every time you see everybody. How do you describe your sound? I'm sure it's hard to talk about yourself, but because of the fact that just everybody wants to work with you, like I turn around and it's like, there she is again, featuring on something else and there she is again. (laughs) And I just think it's, I think it's awesome. So I'm just wondering like, how do you, like, why do you think your tone is what they want? I think there's something that's, um, that's extremely recognizable about it, at least what I've been told, you know, people hear my voice and they know it's me. Um, other people have told me that it like literally slices through the air. I don't know how that makes sense or if it makes sense. But for me, one of the most important things has always been making sure like you understand every single word I'm saying, um, that I, when I'm singing, but without like over articulating, cause we're not, we're not doing musical theater here. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, <laughs> But I think I also just like write really honest and true songs. You know, I, I write from my heart. I I write some super vulnerable stuff. And I think people have always been drawn to that because it's, you know, I try to stay away from cliches. I, I just write like really real stuff. You know, I think it's uh, things that everyone can relate to. I'm really glad you brought that up because I've been a fan of dance for a long time. And I'm going back to when it was just called dance, not EDM, like people like Crystal Waters and CeCe Peniston and, you know, like Martha Wash yeah, and the yeah. list goes on. And I know, for example, like I love Crystal Waters and she writes like Gypsy Woman, her biggest hit, arguably, you know, in, in decades was written about a homeless woman. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, a lot of people don't take the dance world seriously. They think it's just, you know, wave your hands in the air like we don't care, but they don't realize that there's yeah, yeah, actual yeah. like songs. So do you feel like a responsibility almost like to keep the the lyrics high and and the fact that like I don't know it just seems like I hate when people say that EDM is not deep music yeah it's um I think it's more of like a personal standard that I've set for myself because you know the industry itself is so saturated with with music and every day people are pumping out thousands and thousands of songs so how do you cut through the noise and like how do you make yourself heard when there's so much being put out and shared into the world. So for me, yeah, I think, you know, writing edgy things, being super honest, taking risks, um, it really sets yourself apart. And for me, that's just like what I expect of myself at this point. Now, off the top, you mentioned that you moved to Toronto several years ago. I'm just wondering where you're actually from. And do you find that wherever that is, that that plays a part uh, as to who you are as an artist today? Uh, um, well, so, okay, I'm originally from Waterloo, which is about an hour west of Toronto. Um, it's definitely a part of who I am, but I know that if I didn't get out of there, it would have, like, the small town life would have swallowed me whole. I'd probably be married with some kids by now, <laughs> you know, the white picket fence, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's definitely, like, I could have lived that life, but it wouldn't have been true to who I am and and my dream, so... Um, I consider myself super lucky that I that I was bold enough to take the risk and just like really go for what I wanted. Um, but my uh, yeah, where I came from, it, it totally defined me. You know, I didn't exactly have the uh, most peaceful upbringing. Like my parents split up when I was really young, and there's a lot of chaos in, in both sides of the houses, which you know we've definitely um, resolved all the all the family issues, but. Um, it definitely shaped me into who I who I am, and it's what got me start writing in the first place. Talk to us a little bit about being in Toronto, because I know that 
you know, it's obviously got a vibe to it. And, and as the years have gone on, Toronto is now like a hotspot, obviously, for Canadian musicians, but even music in general. Like I remember hearing an, an interview with uh, Ryan Tedder from One Republic, and he was giving out advice to people, you know, songwriters, like where they should go. And he said, well, look, you either move to L.A., you move to Nashville, you move to New York, or you move to Toronto. And I thought that was really amazing for an American artist, especially someone as big as himself, to mention Toronto. So talk to us a little bit about being in that hotspot, because, you know, a lot of people go there uh, not only for pop music, but also dance music is coming out of there. And it's just, um, I think, quite the vibe. So explain what being in Toronto full-time means to you. Uh, Well, you know, I think in part, um, all the artists that have come out of Toronto the last couple of years have really put the city on the map, you know, on a global scale. So you've got Jesse Reyes, you've got The Weeknd, you've got Drake, uh, Alessia Cara, to name a few. And and so it's become this, um, this place where people know that really solid art is coming out of. Um, but it's also, I mean, being a massive city, it's a hub for creatives. And, and I think if you live anywhere in the GTA and you're a creator and you want to do, um, you know, you want to do more, you want to connect and network with other like-minded people, like this is the place to go. You know, it's, it's not so easy as just jumping on a plane. Like I'm going to go move my entire life to LA as nice as that sounds sometimes. Um, so I think this is like, the best option for Canadians and just uh, in connecting with, with other people here, you know? Hanging out with us on, on the show is uh, recording artist Delaney Jane. You can check out her social media at Delaney.Jane on Instagram and then make sure to follow her on Spotify at Delaney Jane. Let's talk about your debut album, Dirty Pretty Thing. So first of all, you have to explain the title and was this album long in the making? Oh my, okay, so... I'm going to answer your second question first. This album was about two and a half years in the making. So I would say it was a pretty long time coming. Um, and I called it Dirty Pretty Things, not in, uh, not in so much a sexual way, but for me, Dirty Pretty Things are all the aspects of life. Um, you know, all the grit and the grime, all the things we go through. There's There's just so many layers. And if there's anything I've learned over the years, it's that, you know, we're all very different humans but at the end of the day we're all kind of going through the same stuff it's just different degrees and different shades so for me one of uh, the most important things has been just writing super honest stories and kind of giving a voice to those who maybe don't feel like they have a voice or they feel like they're alone and and I know what it's like to feel that way so for me, it was just really important to kind of talk about the nitty gritty stuff, maybe the stuff that makes people a little uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, I don't think art is supposed to make you feel comfortable. I think it's supposed to make you feel something. So, yeah, that was uh, that's a little bit of what it's all about. That's pretty cool. Now, tell us the emotion that went through your body, I think, is probably the, the right question, when you knew the album was done. Relief. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Honestly, like, yes, excitement, but when, you, when you're working on a project for that long, you know, people, people don't necessarily um, understand what goes into it. So, yeah, it's fun. It's magical. There are these really special moments where you get to sit back and, and hear the songs come to life. But there's a lot of tension in the studio. There are a lot of opinions, and there are a lot, there's a lot of passion. So all of that mixed together with, with a couple different people and it can get pretty stressful. So I'm, I'm really lucky to have such an amazing team that to know how to um, navigate around my uh, perfectionism and sometimes OCD tendencies when it comes to finishing my music. But 
um, I would say at the end of it all, relief and now excitement as we're as we're getting really close to dropping it. That's pretty cool. Now, here's something for you. Is this album everything you hoped it would be? Honestly, I would say, yeah, there's uh, there's just so much I put into it. There's probably some of the most emotional and heart wrenching songs I've ever written, but also some of the most fun and just lively songs I've ever written. So I think it's it's just such a broad spectrum of emotions that I've put into 13 songs. And I think it really encapsulates kind of who I am as an artist, but also as a person. And I mean, I'm sharing literal pages of my diary. So, you know, it's, it's nerve wracking. But like I said, I think um, in being so open and honest with the world, you know, then it allows other people to connect to me on a deeper level. It's really important to me. Now, do you have label support on this? Or are you doing this on your own? I'm independent, baby. Way to go. I, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fully independent. It's been amazing that we've actually um, been able to kind of run uh, this whole project so far. Uh, I have a- AWOL is my distribution company, so they've been giving a lot of great support. Um, but it's, yeah, for me, it was really important to always maintain creative control, not have someone, you know, telling me what I can put out, when I can put it out. Because I've just heard so many horror stories from close friends and strangers alike about, you know, kind of losing control of their, their vision and their dream because they, uh, they may be signed to a label. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with what's the decision we made and it's going extremely well so far. So really happy. I'm super proud of you because that takes like some balls to like decide you're going uh, without a label, especially on an album. So I want to ask you that too. Like how hard of a decision was it for you to put out an album? Because again, as a, as a ra- radio announcer in the pop genre, I know that a lot of um, artists these days, just it's not financially viable to put out an album, especially in the EDM pop world. Like they just keep releasing single mm-hmm. after single and then maybe put those all together as an EP. So why did Delaney Jane do an album? For me, it was important um, to put out this a body of work. You know, I've I've been dropping singles for the last year and a bit. Um, I have dropped a couple singles off the album already, so there will be quite a few new ones, but also um, some that have been heard before. But yeah, I just, I don't know, I guess I'm old school in the way that I appreciate having a body of work. You know, I remember when I was younger and I used to buy CDs and I would memorize every single word from the first track to the last track and everything in between. And it's also, you know, the way we distribute and hear music has just has changed. You know, all these streaming platforms has made everything's so accessible and uh and i think you know and again cutting through all the noise you kind of have to be bold and take risks so that's what we're doing that's awesome now i wanted to ask you a little bit more about your relationship with sean frank because it seems that you have you know continued to work together over the years obviously and it just seems like when i look from afar it looks like you're each kind of helping each other rise to the top yeah it's it's been such a um organic development of our relationship like what started off as just two friends making music turn into best friends touring the world together and uh and now you know we are we have kind of focused on our own separate projects but he has produced all of my music um even if I you know start a song with someone else in LA in a session like I always finish it with him he just gets me on um on every level I was gonna say like on a musical level but no like he gets me on every level and probably knows more about me than anyone in the whole world, you know? So it's, it's just special having that person that I can be so open and vulnerable with and create art with. And I think 
um, we'll always, we'll always work together. And I know he's working on some other projects, but he's, he's getting me in the studio to write some songs for him now. So, so yeah, it's, it's going to be a continuing thing forever. Are you going to be touring the new album? Like, are you going to head out across Canada? Absolutely. Uh, we've got a bunch of dates coming in for next spring. Uh, once I have those solidified, hopefully I'll be able to send those over to you. But yeah, we're we're locking in a bunch of shows for next year. I want to, you know, hit all the major markets in the states, and uh, would love to hop on a uh, even like a really cool opener tour with someone else, or maybe like a co-headlining tour. But yeah, there's lots of uh, cool festival opportunities next summer, and I'm really really excited to get playing all this new stuff that nobody's heard yet. Now, I have to tell you, in our short time chatting together, I feel like I have, have found a kindred type A spirit. So I'm just wondering, <laughs> I feel like you, you probably have a lot of specific goals that you want to accomplish over the next, like, I don't know, year. Do you have things that Delaney Jane wants to get done? Ooh, you know, it's it's funny because, like, I'm sure some people would say, like, I want a Grammy. I want this. I want that. Um, I guess I'm I'm a little simpler in that I really just I really just am happy to be doing what I love for a living. And the fact that I don't have to, you know, like go work a day job, the fact that I can solely focus on what I love, that's what I wake up and feel grateful for every day. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely have, have big ideas and dreams for what I want to do production wise. Like I'm talking, like I want to have full choreographed dance routines. Um, I want to have some crazy production. Yeah. Winning a Grammy would be awesome, but to be honest, I think like anything that comes my way now is just another blessing on top of this life that I'm already super grateful for. That's really cool. And I did want to ask you too, because again, I'm so proud of you for being, you know, this amazing artist that's come out of like Canada, like especially in the EDM scene, because I, I know we have really good EDM artists, but I just feel like a lot of vocalists, we don't know about them from Canada. And so I just kind of want to know what's your, like, like, do you kind of wear Canada on your sleeve a little bit when you are touring overseas? Like, how proud are you of what you're doing coming from Ontario? Oh, totally. I wear Canada on my sleeve, whether I'm touring or whether I'm just like, going on a vacation you know we've we've obviously um built like a really solid reputation for ourselves as far as you know just the kind of people we are which i'm super proud of but you know in an artistic level there's so much um amazing art and music coming out of canada that that i think we're really starting to get recognition for so to be within that category is uh is pretty incredible Awesome. And last question before I let you go. Uh, do you have people on your bucket list that you want to work with? Like, is there, I know you've already like got the Tiesto thing going on and obviously you and Sean Frank have something magical happening, but is there someone out there that you're like, I need to work with this person? Oh my gosh. Oh, like how much time do you have? <laughs> 21 Pilots would love to work with them. Trent Reznor, he's my, one of my all-time favorite producers in the whole world. Uh, oof. And like Drake, come on. There we go. That, that collab would be epic. Let's go. <laughs> and now he just lives like down the street from you, right? Because his mansion's almost done or it is done down. Uh, I know. <laughs> We're pretty much neighbors. Like, come on. I got a studio in the back. Let's go. <laughs> uh, Delaney, it has been a joy. Thank you so much for spending time with us on the program. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me. And thank you for supporting my music. I love you guys. That is Canadian recording artist Delaney Jane. Again, check out her social media at Delaney.Jane on Instagram. And of course, follow her on Spotify at Delaney Jane. The Kelly Alexander Show, bringing you fresh sounds like this. I need a sweet song, good to come. I need a bottle of jar, make it run. No, 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 I 
recording artist Jocelyn Alice continues to build her music career. Over the last few years, she's had a bunch of success with songs like Jackpot, Never Been Hurt Before, and Radio Silence. And so far, Jocelyn's songs have racked up over 100 million streams. The song you're listening to now is called The Dark off her new album called How Dare You. And by the way, Jocelyn has also written songs that have landed on TV shows like One Tree Hill and Pretty Little Liars. She's also going to be touring with another Canadian artist in the spring, Rhea May. Producer and songwriter Tiny decided to collaborate with two Canadian R&B powerhouses, Jesse Reyes and Tori Lanes, and that's the song you're listening to now called Feel It Too. As you can tell, it's got a great groove, definitely going to stick with you all day long. And if you haven't heard about Tiny before, he is also produced for other big name artists like Cardi B and Selena Gomez. Ain't no time for easing up. Yeah. Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. Christmas is on its way. It's on its way. Christmas is coming. To kick off the holiday season, Sting and Shaggy have teamed up to release their version of Silent Night. And that's what you're hearing right now. And of course, you can tell it definitely has a Sting and Shaggy twist to things and sounds like something you would want to put on when the family's over to celebrate the holidays. And by the way, if you haven't checked it out, make sure to listen to their Grammy Award winning album called 44867. New music on The Kelly Alexander Show. Joining us on the show is Grammy-nominated R&B artist Gallant, who hails from Columbia, Maryland. Gallant has just released his sophomore album called Sweet Insomnia, and he's already doing great with his single Sleep On It, which happens to feature R&B royalty genuine in the music video. Gallant, welcome to The Kelly Alexander Show. Oh, thank you so much, Kelly, for having me. I was just telling you off-air that you can count yourself a new fan because I've been like totally stalking you, listening to all your songs, and I'm so happy to have you on the show. I think you're <laughs> such a talent, and so this is an honor because all my audience knows I'm a huge R&B fan. So to have discovered you and know that you're out there now, I'm super happy about this. And I'm sorry I'm a bit late to the game, to be honest, but happy to have you on. And uh, I wanted to, I guess, kick off by talking about your new album. It's called Sweet Insomnia, which, you know, those two words together are kind of incredible. So can you describe how you, you wanted to call the album this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the sweet came from, uh, you know, lyrically, every song is very bittersweet. You know, when I was... Uh, going through, you know, depression, you know, and you have negative thoughts that just keep popping up. The best way to deal with it is to, to challenge it with a positive one. Um, and it was just a trend that I noticed as I was just making stuff, you know, everything was, was kind of like not a hundred percent optimistic, not a hundred percent pessimistic. Um, and, you know, consequently when I was just trying to tie up all the loose ends of the album and get it right, you know, I got into a habit of sleeping from maybe like 8 AM to noon. Um, and I just got locked in that cycle, but it was cool because it influenced kind of the sounds too. So, the, the kicks are a little bit lazier, um, the the scents are a little bit more detuned, and it feels like you haven't slept in a while. So um, sonically and lyrically, Sweet Insomnia just felt like the best way to wrap it all up. Now, when it comes to the album itself, was it a challenging album to make a lot, or did you have so much to say that it kind of rolled out fairly easily? I mean, it was the, it was tough, for sure. I mean, I this is like my third attempt at, you know, making, making the project, because you know how it is when you first have an idea you think it's going to be you know the one and you follow it sometimes it doesn't always turn out exactly the way that you saw it in your head so um you know initially uh the first version of the album just seemed a little too like uh phoned in you know and i i didn't find myself listening to it on repeat and then the second version of the album wasn't as cohesive as i wanted uh so for the third version of the album you know i went over to my homie's stint's house um and he produced my whole first album too and kind of brought it all back to 
where it began and somehow we were able to kind of hit that same feeling that um, at least for me, uh, I felt when I was working on my first album, which was very authentic, uh, kind of fun. And it felt like something that I would actually be able to listen to on repeat, you know, in my spare time. So I was happy to listen back to the full album and it actually sounded like stuff that I wish existed, but just didn't exist. A lot of artists choose to not make full albums anymore. It's very much a singles market and it has been for several years now. Why did you decide to put the effort and the financing into making a full album? Uh, I mean, I think I got bored with uh, with putting out, you know, <laughs> just one track at a time. I think I feel like, you know, it's fun to, to experience, um, you know, the, the rush of just, you know, dropping one break from at a time and seeing how people react. But, you know, I just had a lot of fun, like building a universe, you know, and I felt like I was coming from a place that was so unique and so different than anything I've ever experienced. So it made sense to really make sure that this time around, you know, I had a, a world that I was building that I could exist in. And even when I go and take the tour on the road, you know, I, I want to make sure that it looks visually exactly the way it sounds. So now growing up, who did you listen to a lot? You know, who influenced you musically? And do you find that those artists on some level seep into the music that you're producing today? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, like I'm an R&B head, you know, through and through. I, I actually I felt so self-conscious. Uh, about it a little bit growing up because you know I never really listened to hip hop that much. I you know I was always listening to like Tony Braxton, Brian McKnight, Babyface. I mean, um, I don't know what it is about you know '90s R&B and 2000s R&B, but um, it was special to me. And, and in Maryland, they have these R&B stations that play just the deep cuts of R&B. You know, they don't mix it in with anything else. And so for Sleep on it, you know, it I, I had to reach out to Genuine because it was inspired by that whole So Anxious era. You know, so. Um, it was surreal to have him in the in the music video, and the rest of the album is inspired by that same, uh, you know, early two thousands magic that I think a lot of people are starting to come back around and, and appreciate again. I'm glad you brought that up because that was actually going to be one of my questions because for a while, you know, '90s R&B it was just like butter, right? Like you mentioned, Tony Braxton, yeah, Johnny yeah. Gill, Boyz II Men, all of those, uh, Brian McKnight, like you said, and then it got very sort of um, electronic sounding for a while. I mean, Usher was able to kind of I think balance both ends of it, but I'd say he was even oh, leading yeah. the charge with the electronic kind of sound of it. And now, like um, you mentioned, it, it seems to be coming back. How do you feel the the fact that it's coming back is being received by fans um, of R&B and just maybe even pop music? Like, I, I find R&B is kind of, like, cool now for pop fans. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I mean, I you know, when I first started making music, it was in the era of, like, music blogs, you know, and so people were looking for an alternative to the mainstream offerings, and um, that's where the alternative thing came from, alternative R&B, and uh, at the time, that made sense to me, but now, you know, I feel like R&B, because of that era, has exploded into all these different little planets. So, you know, it's a whole solar system of uh, people being as unique as they can be and paying homage to uh, all the different uh, sub styles of R&B. So I I think people are appreciating the fact that people can, you know, reference records from the early 2000s in such an honest, unique uh, and genuine way. You know, that's first and foremost, I think, what's uh, speaking to music fans. Joining us on the show is R&B artist Gallant. Make sure to grab all of his social media by hitting up his website, Gallant.space, which, by the way, is like the coolest um, website handle ever. <laughs> so good job. I didn't even know there was a dot .space, so, so good for you <laughs> for jumping on that early. Because I now know I have a, a, a kindred spirit here in R&B and, and I think, you know, 90s R&B, who, which producers from the 90s were you sort of in love with and would you love to be able to work with some of them today? I mean, you know, you you brought it up earlier, but Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, I think, are, you know, the architects, um, you know, along with, you know, Teddy and 
you know, I, I think I think people are they're missing the the way that you know producing on tape just felt and sounded. You know, it sounds like a like a Polaroid. You know, there's something really real about it. So um, it's 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 hard to get that same warmth. Uh, you know, using an all digital uh, tool set, but um, occasionally when you can achieve that, you know, it's it's always going to be because of those guys that that started it in the first place. Now, you have collaborated with some talented peeps, John Legend, Andra Day, Dua Lipa, Sinead Hartnett. Like I, when I saw that list, I was like, this is crazy. So why is it important for you to sing with others? And who is on your bucket list of, of people still to perform with? Oh, man. I mean, my bucket list, you know, it's, it's been, uh, you know, Brandy's been, been in that bucket for, for a long time. You know, I think she, she's incredible. You know, we talk about the architects of, of that era of R&B. You know, she's, she's at the top. Um, you know, it was it was it was a really crazy experience to be able to collaborate with all those people, and and I, I even feel like going forward, you know, in the past it was it was kind of tough for me to to be in the studio with somebody else because I felt like it was such a an isolated thing for me to really have something turn out good. But um, you know, I, I'm actually having a lot of fun, um, you know, being with friends like Sinead, uh, who's just a she's a great friend of mine, and we work with the same producer who's also friends. So it didn't feel like it was a quote unquote collaboration, you know, it just felt like we were, we were hanging out. Um, and, and even on the album, you know, I have a song called, uh, Sweet Insomnia with, with Black and, um, I'm on tour right now with Sabrina Claudio and I have a song called Compromise with Sabrina. And, and uh, those two collaborations felt different in, in the sense that it was just, it was a good time, you know, and we were just kind of coming from our own respective perspectives and, and putting it on wax. So, I'm looking forward to doing a lot more in the future, for sure. I have to ask you this, because, you know, you're an American R&B artist, but now you're touring up in, in my country of Canada. Do you have any thoughts on Canadian <laughs> R&B? Because, like, we, we do seem to manage to pump out some good ones. Like, I know she's more pop, I guess, but she definitely has soul to her. Alessia Cara, uh, you know, there's some, some really good Canadian talent. Daniel Caesar, of course, who we all know is doing very well down in the States. Are you surprised? Or, I don't know, what, how do you feel about Canadian fans and, and responding to your music? No, I mean, I think, I think you know... Uh, you know, I'm 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 happy that that you know we appreciate you know the talent that comes comes out of there um, the way that we do you know the weekend um, you know basically spearheaded a whole movement by just putting his unique style you know on paper and, and letting people gravitate towards it. I feel like maybe you know sometimes I do get jealous because uh, you know homies from up there um, will be like, oh, you know, I I wanted to do a project and all of a sudden you know the government gave me some money to do it. And it was cool, and I got to do whatever I want, you know. Uh, like, shout out Jesse Reyes, and my producer Stent, too, is, is Canadian. So, if anything, I'm just jealous, you know. I, I wish I had the same <laughs> the same uh, boost from my government to, you know, uh, do something really creative that will inspire a lot of people. So, first and foremost, I, I, you know, we're talking about uniqueness. I think uh, when you let somebody who has a unique voice and a unique spin on something and a unique perspective... Uh, you give them the tools to, to do what they want to do and execute their vision, you're going to see some really creative, positive uh, results. Now, you sound like a type A fella. You could tell me if, if that's incorrect or not, <laughs> but I feel like you are. So I feel like you probably have specific goals set out for yourself over, over like the next six months to a year. Uh, is this true? Uh, somewhat. I think, you know, it, it was, they're mostly creative goals. Like I, I really, like I worked for a long time to just get an album that to me felt you know, real, like something that I could actually listen to over and over as a music fan. So um, I definitely want to make, you know, more things that I'm going to be able to look back on and be proud of. And maybe they're not all going to be the most cohesive as a, you know, a timeline of, of projects, but I think they're going to tell 
the story accurately of, of, you know, what kind of artist I am and what kind of man I am too. So, um, you know, I, I try to set like creative goals. Okay. That's fair. And I wanted to ask you this, cause I think this is pretty cool when I was doing my research, how does it feel when somebody introduces you as Grammy nominated artist Gallant? <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, I, I definitely, like, I didn't expect that at all. You know, I, I was, I was on tour at the time and I was, I was in a really rough space cause I felt like I was doing a little bit too much. You know, I really wanted to like create, I, I didn't really want to be, on stage, you know, so far after my album was, was coming out. So, um, I was starting to get a little down and, and my band at the time was starting to get down too. And to hear the news, you know, it, it was it completely sidelined us and, uh, or blindsided us. And, and we were, you know, really, uh, just shocked that we would get that kind of recognition. And I've never been nominated for anything, you know, at the time. So like outside of music for any award, for anything, school, nothing. So it was, uh, it was crazy for me. Well, I think that's fantastic. And congratulations on the nomination. And I'm sure wins will follow. That's for sure. And uh, before I let you go, I just wanted to ask you, you know, because we have um, audience members that are listening to this show from around the world, not only here in Canada and the States, but, you know, overseas. What do you want people to know the most about Gallant and your music? Oh, man, I mean, I, I want them to, well, hopefully they'll, they'll think the album um, feels more like a handshake, you know, unless of just like a snapshot of who I am. You know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm always really grateful when I get to meet people who, connect with my music but uh i definitely don't think that even those people have have really gotten to see you know who i actually am as a person so if, if there's any kind of holes in the puzzle that, the, that people are trying to put together uh hopefully this album sweet and sound you know will, will fill those those uh those missing pieces for well congratulations and it's honestly honestly been so fun to have you on the show so thank you so much for making time for us we really appreciate it of course thank you kelly i really appreciate it that's r&b artist gallant again you can uh, grab all of his social media handles by hitting up his website gallant.space time for a look now at what is happening in the world of music and entertainment now if you happen to be a fan of bruno mars and the ladies of tlc you are going to love this singer chili from tlc has shared with fans that she and t-boz have had talks with bruno about recording a song together now chili says it would be a dream come true to work with bruno and right now they're trying to make sure they find the right song to work on she says it has to be the best one possible for all of their fans chili also says in the future that she and t-boz would love to hook up with cardi b on a track because Cardi is really bright and colorful, exactly like TLC is. So fingers crossed that these two collaborations come through because no doubt these songs would be hip-hop magic. Now, the dude who produced the hit movie Bohemian Rhapsody, Graham King, has landed his next big project. News coming from Hollywood is that Graham has managed to get permission from Michael Jackson's estate to make a movie about Michael's life and career, and apparently he's even been given the rights to use Michael's music in the film. Now, the movie is supposed to show Michael's life before he became a star, all the way up to when he passed away in June of 2009 at the age of 50, and evidently Graham King is not going to be shying away from controversy, Sources say that the movie will deal with the sexual abuse allegations against Michael that happened at various points throughout his career. Now, no idea yet when the film is going to be ready, but probably at some point in 2021. I think a lot of people have an inner rocker inside of them, and at one point or another, you have probably rocked out to Guns and Roses. And do you remember when they initially broke up? No one thought that they would come back together because it was such a disaster. Well, they managed to put their differences aside and, of course, went off with their Not In This Lifetime tour, which has just wrapped up. So they kicked things off, I believe, back in 2016. It wrapped up three years later, and they have traveled the world, selling over 5 million tickets 
and they have brought in over $584 million in the process. And by the way, the boys are not done. Axel, Slash, and Duff are supposed to be working on new music, and a full-length album is supposed to be on the way. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us on the program this week, and a huge shout-out to our guests, Delaney Jane and Gallant. My thanks to our amazing producer, Adam Brisson, for pushing all the right buttons. Please make sure to follow us on all of our social media by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com, and you can check out our interviews, youtube.com slash kellyalexandershow. Have an amazing week. You and I'll chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.